It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's keep this party going, Jeffrey, because uh, there's still lots and lots and lots of comments and questions. So, uh, and while you're, yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I got it. I've got one. No, I know. Sometimes I'm like a little slow on the click. But if uh, Joey Votto does have an MVP-like season, and what if he wins it, how do they not pick up his option in 2024? Um, there's a lot of interesting what-ifs surrounding Joey Votto and his option for 2024. Mm-hmm. But I, I will tell you this. If he wins the MVP, yeah, they're probably not going to have a choice. They're going to have to do it. Um, anything short of that, though, I, I don't see them picking up this option. Now, I'm not completely, you know, down on the idea that somewhere along the way, if Votto is having a good year, that they may work some kind of renegotiation where they don't pick up that option, but they decline it and he signs a new contract. I, I can see deals being worked out. A deal that pays Votto more than the buyout, but less than what he would make on the option and keep him in Cincinnati and not have to go through the PR nightmare that would be involved in, in Joey going signing someplace else. But uh, I, I, I don't see them picking up the option in any other scenario than this, that he wins the MVP. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And if he's having an MVP level season, how many, how many games is just Phil Castellini and Bob Castellini going to be sitting up there in the owner suite, just like downing as much bourbon as they possibly can like seriously you're going to win the mvp of the year that we have to decide whether or not we're going to pick up another 20 million dollars on your contract like i would love that for joey and i would love that as a reds fan because it's just like yes it's what they deserve but you know for a fact for the season they're going to be sitting there watching him and just being like oh my gosh we were trying to figure out how we were going to keep him on the cheap no we can't we can't because if he wins the mvp you're not turning down that I can't wait to get your take on this next one, Jeff. Uh, Chad, the quirky picker says often when a player struggles for a long period of time and then comes out and says that they were injured the whole time and playing through it. uh, it He says it just sounds like a lame excuse. Uh, Well, if you're talking about Joey, uh, then he would have had to fake a total reconstruction of his shoulder and bicep. So, um, if you're thinking conspiracy theory, it wasn't a real injury. I don't think that's true. So that tells me the injury is real. Uh, I with, think with with Jonathan India, same story. Uh, he was hurt. This is, you know, yeah, he, he had to be life flighted to a hospital from yeah. Field of Dreams game. Yeah, that injury was real. So in both yeah. of these cases, I think there's no no. These were real injuries, and I guarantee you, a shoulder and bicep injury that Votto had to have rebuilt definitely contributed to the downtrend in his performance and i think for the most part because this this is this is about one or two people or one or three people really it's either joey or or, uh, india or tyler stevenson and i think in all three cases that was absolutely true i don't i don't see any scenario in which jonathan india was trying to make an excuse for his performance like he, he they were reporting i know that david bell was reporting at the winter meetings that Jonathan India was already working at that point to get ready for the season. And in David Bell's words, quoting Jonathan India, he says, I'm going to have a better year than my rookie of the year season. So like he's, he's not, there's, there's no lame excuses here. Like that's a lame excuse that I make when I play a uh, pickup game of uh, basketball or, and let's be honest, when I play golf, I do a lot more of that than I play pickup basketball, (laughs) you know, like, Oh man. Oh yeah. Just, you know, backs real tight. 
that was a rough swing right there. I'll, I'll, I'll play through it. I'll, I'll be all right. It's like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> the lame. <laughs> BR7 says that Tyler Stevenson is one of the top 10 catchers in Major League Baseball. I mean, I think we all agree with that. I think I saw uh, I saw something from MLB in the last couple of days that actually had him listed as the 10th best catcher in Major League Baseball. Um, that might be a show topic somewhere before spring training is where where some of these guys actually rank within the rest of baseball, Jeff. I think that he is going to because I think that that's conservative. I think he's a top five catcher if he's healthy because I think that the catcher position as a whole is kind of light on talent. And I think that if he is healthy and he plays a whole year and he plays as well as we think he can, people are going to be like, okay, this dude is a stud and he's going to show it. Debbie Brown checks in. Hey Debbie. Uh, she says she saw an interview with Tyler last night. He's in Arizona already. I think a bunch of the guys are out there. There's a couple things oh, yeah. going on in Arizona right now. Uh, one of them being the Super Bowl. Damn Chiefs. Uh, the other, there's a couple other events as well. So I know that getting into housing, getting into you know Airbnbs, getting into Arizona has been a challenge for a lot of people. And I think a lot of guys went early to uh, be able to secure their places and, and lock things down. So there's that. And then I think Tyler is, is pretty notably early the last several years. So, uh, you know, he's, he's the head of that catcher room group position. Uh, so it's good that he's out there to work with the pitchers. Yeah. I'm still going to find a good one for that. I, I think that people like to talk about, you know, ownership, not trying and not putting money into the team. And so they're just going to keep losing games, but we discount the fact that these players took a hundred losses personally, like they mm. ended the season and they're like, this is not what we, this is not the reason that we became professional ball players. We didn't come here to collect a check and not do anything. And so I think that they ended the season other than the physical uh, obstacles, which they had of like different injuries and things like that. I think their mind was just like, no, 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 we, we want to fix this. We want to play some more. So I think that there's been some guys that have been out there, especially those that are coming back from injury like Tyler, who've probably been in Arizona for a couple of weeks now. Poofy haired fancy boy checks in Jeff. Uh, he wants coming. the blackouts Close. to be lifted. And you and I talked about this this week on an episode, and I've gotten a lot of questions uh, in the DMS and in the comment section of that episode, you know, asking when all this is going to happen. So, you know, uh, poofy haired fancy boy, we are ready for the blackouts to be lifted as well. It's not going to be this season, folks. I really don't think so. What's going to happen is this bankruptcy filing is coming. Uh, it will happen sometime this year. It's going to have to play through bankruptcy court. Uh, all of the things are going to have to happen. So uh, talking to the broadcast team, uh, they're all preparing business as usual, uh, not doing anything different than they normally do. Uh, I suspect whatever changes we see would be for the 2024 baseball season, as far as new streaming options, uh, you know, no blackouts, those kind of things. I think I don't necessarily have an alternate take from that, but I do, I am encouraged by a couple of different things. Like Forbes was reporting that um, the, the Bally's is going to look to do the restructuring after the NBA playoffs. So about May, June, somewhere about there. So when that happens, it's likely that they will say, okay, we're going to keep it business as usual for the rest of the season or the rest of the year, and then we're going to figure it out. Because I don't think they can switch it midseason like that into something streaming, but I know that it's coming. 
Major League Baseball is prepared for this. That's why they hired mm-hmm. Billy Chambers as the director of local of uh, local media, and they hired him from Sinclair. So he's he's done the job that he's already in before, just for uh, running Bally. So I think that overall, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think there's a small chance it could happen the second half of the season, but it's not going to happen anytime before June. Greg checks in and says that uh, he thinks Stevenson is the long-term replacement for Votto. And he said that when uh, Stevenson was drafted, he's too tall to play catcher forever. Uh, There's a lot there. Okay. I don't think that Stevenson right now is the long-term plan at first base. I think ultimately if he can't catch anymore and they're just going to stick him somewhere full-time, it'll be DH at some point uh, to keep that bat healthy and in the lineup. I think that CES has a much better chance of being the long-term replacement for Joey Votto at first base. I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, there's, there's definitely still going to be the ability for him to move into first base. If, if need be like maybe CES needs an off day or somebody needs an off day and they probably will keep him as at least on like a depth chart is like a backup catcher. So he has, he can still get behind the plate every so often. And and we know from talking to him, he loves catching. This isn't like a situation where he himself is looking forward to getting out from behind the plate. He, he fancies himself a catcher. So this is going to be something that when they ask him about what he wants to do, I think sure he's going to go along with the plan of mixing in other positions and, and really trying to keep his bat in the lineup every day. But at the end of the day, he's a catcher. Uh, BR7 trying to help with some names for this catcher's room. He's catcher's got catcher's cave. cave. You know, holy crap, Batman, let's get back to the catcher's cave, he says. Uh, no, <laughs> catcher's nest. Uh, keep trying, guys. We can do better than this. Come on. <laughs> if the Reds are in the hunt for the playoffs this year at the deadline, should they be active in the trade market to help their chances or just stick with the current plan and roster? Oh, Oh my goodness. Um, listen, I have said, I have said they could be the outside cusp of the final wild card spot. They should trade away absolutely nothing to secure the final wild card spot. They should continue to build. If there's a deal with somebody that's more of a contender where they could make some kind of a trade and package a dude and get somebody, uh, maybe, but just to trade, to be competitive for the final wild card. I'm a, I'm a be a no on that, Jeff. I think, and and it was the most frustrating thing in the world, even for you know an outsider's perspective for the Orioles fans. But last year, the Orioles were the most frustrating team at the trade deadline because they had clear needs. And instead of addressing those needs, they traded away their closer and they traded away their first baseman, their best hitter. And everybody was just like, what the heck? And they still remained in the playoff race up until the very end, even with those trades. But the Orioles looked at it and they said, this is fun but we don't see this as our window. Our window opens next year. I think in the Reds case, if we are talking about that kind of an awesome thing, which is, it's a bit of a bummer to say because we want them to be in a playoff position, but if they are in a playoff position at the trade deadline, any move they make needs to be done with the lens of we're looking at next year, not necessarily looking at this year. Like, and this is an example. I'm, I'm talking about the on-field example of this trade, but whenever the Reds went and they traded for Trevor Bauer, they didn't trade for Trevor Bauer for 2019. They traded for him for 2020. So I think that that's what the move would be if they are to make a move at the deadline. But I would think that the chances of them being a buyer at the deadline 
given everything that has to happen and every, you know, and given the plans for the future and stuff like that, the chances are greater than zero, but I think less than one. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And, you know, Jim comes with something that we see a lot. And, you know, I want to dig into this for just a second. He's like, playoffs with this team? No way, sadly. Listen, uh, if, you know, if I had to put money on it, I agree with you, Jim. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. Um, yeah. But I don't think they're going to be as bad as everybody thinks they're going to be. Um, there's a lot of room for growth over last season. And there's a lot of wild cards at play now that we're not quite sure how it's going to impact everything. We don't know how the shift is going to and the ban of the shift is going to result in player performance. We're not sure what that looks like. We're not sure what the changes to the bases and maybe the increased running game uh, is going to look like because that will benefit the Reds in a couple cases. There are some guys that can steal bases if that's something they decide they're going to commit to and do. And that's something baseball is looking for. So I could see it happening in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, this team won 62 games last year, Jeff, uh, with <laughs> with more injuries than the team's ever had in the history of baseball and using more players than they've ever used in the history of baseball and all of those things. I just can't see them being replicated. It can't be that bad. Again, the reds fired their training staff. They brought in new people on the medical side of things. They're going to be healthier. Now I'm not saying they're not going to be hurt at times. That's going to happen. It's 162 game season. There will yeah. be injuries, but there will not be injuries to the extent that there were last year. All of those things look to make, just by default, the Reds win more than 62 games. Now, there are some equalizers. It's a different kind of schedule this year. Rather than being uh, division heavy, everybody is playing everyone. So the Reds will play some more uh, good teams. So that can have an impact. But, you know, Jeff, you've come down at 75. I don't know that that's exactly realistic. But uh, the final results of my poll, my poll from Twitter with the uh, 65 and a half 65.5 over under 65%. I'm not making that up. 65% of the voters took the over 65. So uh, there is some optimism out there about the number of wins that this team can put together. And, and again, I, I, I'm not being like, you're going to the playoffs. It's not what I'm saying, but there, I don't think they lose a hundred games in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Jim definitely has a point. I think you have to, hit the 99th percentile outcome for every single player on this roster. And you also include the fact that Ellie De La Cruz comes up and lights the world on fire almost more so than we're thinking he might. You might have a couple of key call-ups of pitchers that absolutely hit like every one of them. Everything has to hit. All of the question marks have to be answered with a resounding yes in order for the Reds to make the playoffs. But you don't have to have all of those things go right to be a better team. There are so many people out there that are predicting this team and, and we still have it. And I still have it up here. I think it's just more so for motivation for you and me, but that weird power ranking scene that they came out with, you know, whatever, like a month or two ago where they said, Hey, the reds are going to lose the most games in the history of their franchise this year. That's not happening. It's just not They're They're better and they're healthier. They're, they're, they're going to win. Like 
I, I, I keep saying 75, and I know that people say that that's way, way too optimistic, but is it really that far-fetched to think that this team could win 66, 67 games? They'd hit the over if they did. Absolutely. And, and listen, a lot of people agree with, with this take, Jeff. Um, I'm just going to blow through a few of these. Poofy, poofy-haired fancy boy says you know, he thinks the Reds are going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, you know, Austin saying he doubts they make the playoffs, but anything can happen. Mark says in our division, anything is possible. This is true. I mean, let's not get carried away with what the rest of this division looks like. There's been some improvement, but it's not, you know, it's not the Mets. And then Austin comes back with this, Jeff. Uh, I don't see why the Reds couldn't be this year's Orioles, especially since we have better pitching than they did. This is a pretty good take. I think this is a really good comparison of what the Reds could do in 2023 uh, if a lot of the ifs work out, if a lot of those things that you just mentioned actually happen in 2023. And I think it's important too, like even just thinking about the comparison between the Orioles from last year and the Reds this year is that much of baseball outside of Cincinnati is looking at the Reds roster and going, who? Let me ask you this, Steve. Outside of Trey Mancini, what Baltimore Orioles player could you name from last year? Cianel Perez. That's, that's right. He was on there. <laughs> <laughs> and he pitched really, really he well. He pitched too. really good. Cianel Perez. Oh, my gosh. What a what a. Bet you didn't but think yeah, we were going to get him in the show today. Hey, look at that. We we fit him in there. I mean, heck, we, we fit Willie Green in an episode last week. Their the possibilities are endless. <laughs> uh Poofy has come back with, do we think the Reds will be better than the Cubs and the Pirates? Uh, mm. Where, where, I think you know, it's probably a whole show coming, right? We got a whole show coming on this at some point. You definitely but... have division, division previews coming, but I think hot take out of that because it's very easy to say, yes, the Reds will be better than the Pirates. I think it's going to be easier to be better than the Cubs than the Pirates this year. I think the Pirates I kind of agree with that. Party. I think the pirates are going to be surprisingly good um they've done fun. some things and listen they haven't made very many splash moves they they did the move that we thought the Reds should do bringing back a former player so they could at least have a press conference with with yep. mccutcheon but uh, beyond that well, and they, they did, did the other move that we thought we should do is and get the veteran presence in the rotation although rich hill is about 712 years old but still they got the veteran presence but they did it yeah so uh, they didn't make splash moves, but they're going to be a little bit better. And with their young talent, uh, you know, I, I'm just saying this division is it's winnable. one, not as bad as everybody thinks it is. And two, I think the take that in this division, anything can happen is the correct take. I think that there's not really a class of the division. I mean, you may say St. Louis, but I think they've got their own problems. And if the money situation is what it really looks like, it's going to be with them coming up, uh, with the biggest impact of losing the regional sports revenue, they may look to move some guys and clear a contract or two. So they did not go big this year. Like everybody, they did not. So I would like, I would say, you know, never say never as far as where the reds could finish in this division in 2023. When I think especially like the Cardinals are not deep. I mean, they are a Paul Goldschmidt injury away from their lineup being pedestrian. Jim's, you know, Jim, I feel like you're the Jim. I, I, I know where you're coming from and I, and I get you in and I'm with you in a lot of regards. This team has beat you up. I can tell this team has beat a lot of us up. 
And, you know, this comment from Jim, the Cubs, Pirates, Cards, and Brewers made deals to get quality MLB players to help them. The Reds traded for prospects and have not addressed the bullpen. Okay, well, I mean, you know, everybody did make moves. The Reds did not really address the bullpen because I think uh, they're going to address the bullpen from within and guys that were starters last year are going to be added to the bullpen along with the guys coming back from injury. There's a lot of quality arms coming back from injury. So... Uh, that's just addition by subtraction of the guys that should have never been in the major leagues last year. So is the Reds bullpen as bad as it was last year? I don't think so. Is it stellar? Is it lights out? Do we really know exactly what we're going to get? No, none of those things are true. So I get where you're coming from, Jim, but I'm just, just open your heart to the possibility that this team might be a little bit better than you think. I definitely agree. And, and there's a thought that I also have about the Milwaukee Brewers, Steve, um, and, and let me start it by asking you a question. How did the Reds handle the situation with Luis Castillo and his contract? Uh, they handled it poorly. They didn't address it when they should have. And as a result, uh, crawl made a good trade, but, uh, I think there was an opportunity. They could have actually kept him around if they had done it early and, and been aggressive. The Milwaukee Brewers were not paying attention because they are doing the exact same thing with Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns wants to stay in, in Milwaukee. They have not offered him a contract yet. In fact, I think they went to arbitration with him. They didn't even like do a, do a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. So they are coming into a time because, yes, you look at that rotation, you say, okay, you've got uh, Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. That team's not going to be bad as long as those three guys are there. But if around the deadline this year they trade Corbin Burns, the Brewers – could in fact be one of those teams in the hodgepodge with the reds pirates and cubs as to what are they going to be are they going to be a 70 win team are they going to be a 65 win team are they going to be a 75 win team are they going to be an 80 win team there's there's so many questions and i don't think the reds fit into an 80 win team but there's so many questions about the teams that are ahead of the reds that are not named the cardinals that this division it's going to be competitive looking because everybody's going to finish very close to each other there's not, it's not going to be a situation where you've got one team that is just super far out of it. And you're also going to have teams that you expect to be good that are not going to be that good. And I think the Brewers are the prime candidate for that. Seth Pryor checks in and says that he had Spencer Steer penciled in as the opening day third baseman, but now he is most likely to start at first base. And it's question mark. Um, I don't know that if, that's if true. He's hurt, maybe. Well, maybe. And, and, you know, as we've talked about today, Jeff, there are a couple guys that could make a case to fight their way onto this roster. And then that changes everything. Um, I guess if we have to look at it through a lens of no surprise promotions of prospects rolling with the roster that we think they're going to have, uh, if Joey's healthy, he's the first baseman. If he's not, then maybe I, there, you probably have a little bit more flexibility of guys that can play third base and you shift Spencer steer over there who has seen some time there as recently as last season. So um, I could see that. I, I'll say this Spencer steer. I really do think he's going to become a full-time player without a dedicated position. He is going to be that super utility that we've been saying they've needed for a while. I think he plays six days a week but he plays at six different spots nearly, maybe five different positions uh, to get his full-time at-bats. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I think he, yeah. you know, 
when when I sat down with him, you know, he said he likes moving around. He enjoys playing the different spots. And, you know, he is definitely a guy that just wants to be on the field and he doesn't really care where that is. So, you know, I like guys like that. And I think he's very uh, useful. And I think it's a great addition to this roster to have him be that guy that just moves around and kind of gives everybody a day off and plays all of the positions fairly well. And he's a talented player as well. I, th- I think it was it was either MOB Pipeline or ESPN. I'm, I'm blanking on which of the two, but it was one of the two that had him in the just missed being a top 100 prospect list, like the guys who were just on the outside looking in, because they understand like he's got that kind of talent. And and you're right that that is his. I think the ultimate plan for Spencer Steer is to be that first guy off the bench slash can start anywhere to give someone else a day off and. At the end of the day, I think that we were liking him at third base based on how this roster is shaping out. But as spring training has shown us, there's going to be injuries and there's going to be some changes to what we expect here in January. So there's a possibility he plays somewhere else. I, I definitely see that happening and I'm not bothered by it. Well, we've reached the point in the show where I think Jeff is going to offend a whole country, but let's see how this plays out because Valentin checks in from France and says, thank no, I you guys. For all of the stuff and making the Reds lovable all around the world. Are you going to do a French accent, Jeff? Are you going to do it? I don't have a French accent. Although it's okay, funny I'm, because. I'm so glad. I thought for sure we were going to lose a whole country. My my wife can speak a little bit of French. I cannot. So <laughs> I'm not even going to try. But thank you for checking in. Appreciate that. Yeah, I love it. We've got guys worldwide following the Red mm-hmm. Legs, Jeff. I love it. People are hungry it. for this team. Even if it's outside of Cincinnati, they're hungry for this team. Just waiting. And, and and that's and we've talked about that before. That is what the Reds are asking us to do. They're just asking us to wait because they don't want to spend the money that we would like them to spend. So you either spend money or you spend time, and they're spending time. Bo Dryson checks in and asks about Austin Hendrick. How's he coming along? Just curious if uh, if we know how his progress is going. Well, he was um he was out on tour, Jeff. He was on the caravan, wasn't he? So. I guess he that was. says something about and how it's he's telling doing. it's telling in a lot of different ways that when you look at top prospect lists and and I'm not even talking about top 100 I'm talking about organizational rankings like he just he keeps falling down that list man like he he has trouble staying healthy for one and when he is healthy he has little to no plate discipline so yeah he's having some serious strike zone problems yeah, that's 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 a profile that's not going to grow very well. So I, I really hope that he can turn it around here. And maybe he's a late bloomer. Maybe he's not a guy that you know works quickly through the system. But as it stands right now, he's kind of off the radar and off of the you know we talk about waves and you know we've got our first wave going on. We got our second wave coming up. I don't know where he fits in any of that. I'm going to throw this up. Jim's asking about uh, the trading of. Uh, a prospect for an outfielder. We did hear that from Nick crawl earlier in the off season, and we haven't heard a whole lot about it since then. Uh, you know, I, you know, Jim speculating about a deal with Arroyo. I don't, I mean, I think it would take a lot for them to move Arroyo. Um, I, I don't know that at this point they're going to go do a big splash deal packaging prospects for an outfielder. I think we've got the outfield we're going to open with. Uh, we talked about that earlier this week, Jeff. Uh, I suspect that, uh, you know, that was an idea that was being floated around. That was a, a 
a conversation starter amongst the general managers, but I think that's probably uh, a situation where that ship has sailed already. Well, and I think too, that remember the reports on the Luis Castillo trade were that the Mariners and the Reds actually started talking about that like a year ahead of time. And so I think that Nick crawls is the kind of guy that when he starts a negotiation, he kind of slow plays it a little bit. So I think that there's probably still, you know, plans and they're still working on a possible prospect for prospect deal. The only thing is, if I look at that trade, I actually look at that through the Dodgers lens and I say, I'm not doing it because Pahez is ready to come up now. And I think that they kind of need some outfield help. They didn't go get anybody this off season. I mean, they got, I think they got JD Martinez, but JD Martinez is a DH. Like they, they definitely still need outfield depth. And if anybody gets hurt, Pahez is going to be the first guy that gets called up and gets into the lineup. So I think that that move, and while Edwin Arroyo is a very tantalizing prospect, and yes, the Reds do value him very highly, and so does everybody else. He's up on everybody's top 100 prospect list, so there's that. But also, I, I just think that the Dodgers overall wouldn't really like to do that trade. I'm going to take a little side trip here jeff just because i'm the one controlling yeah. the clicker seth says college baseball season is less than three weeks away uh, if you're looking for a baseball fix while you're waiting for the major league baseball regular season to get started check out some college baseball and if you're wondering how to do that uh, espn plus it's one of my favorite streamers out there they have lots of stuff uh, between the hockey and the college baseball lots of live stuff but college baseball a lot of it on espn plus and a lot of UH, University of Hawaii baseball, for that late night crowd out there. It is so much fun watching UH baseball. Uh, there was a time, Jeff, when uh, before like the SEC baseball stadiums expanded, before they built more professional sized stadiums in college baseball, there was a time when the University of Hawaii led the country in attendance for multiple years because right. there's not a lot of baseball out here and people come out to the stadium in Manoa and watch this baseball. It is a fun product. Check it out. Uh, end of side trip. Sorry. <laughs> no. And, and I love me some college baseball too. Plus he has the uh, UK logo on there. So he knows about the sec. And I mean, we always talk about the sec when it comes to like football and basketball, but there is no discussion when it comes to college baseball. Sec is the best. I mean, sec might be some, some folks have equated it to like low a, as far as the level of competition. So yeah, there's he, a lot of talent. A lot yeah. of talent has come out of there. Scott Campbell is with us. Aloha, Scott Campbell. Ooh. How you doing, Scott? I finally saw your video, by the way. Jeff showed it to me. Um, nice work, Scott Campbell, uh, in talking with Nick Crawl, uh, asking him to come on the show. Oh, yeah, a letter. Shout out. Uh, yeah, a letter is uh, in the mail, guys, to the Reds front office. Uh, we're going to invite postal Nick. Service. I know, right? Uh, we are inviting <laughs> Nick Crawl onto the show. The we'll see what he does. Show but he's getting an official invite to come on and talk to you guys uh, about Reds baseball. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we're, we're trying our best. We're doing what we can. Uh, whatever this name, what is this back? I, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say it right. He says, how's it going guys? He found out about the show from his dad and he's been listening for a few weeks now uh, since he showed, Hey, the next generations of Reds fans coming on board. I love it. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, you know, this is my favorite show of the week guys talking with you all love love Picture looks like simon Powell. it does right i don't know I, these youtube uh these youtube usernames are great i'll tell you what yeah uh, jim's asking about ticket prices did they go down trying to bring fans back no not really they didn't go down uh, i just bought uh, a bunch of seats for while i'm in town you know for what's week 
you know what you do with that though, Jim, is you got to check out like game time, uh, seat geek. There's a couple of different apps that base ticket prices off of demand. And especially close to first pitch, you're going to see those ticket prices be pretty cheap. And then what you do is you buy, a you know, view level or outer view level or bleacher ticket or something like that. And then you go stand at the, uh, at the, uh, handlebar and, um, you have yourself a good time because there's been many a time that I buy a cheap bow tie. Gosh, I always flip those two um, bow tie bar, but you buy yourself the cheapest ticket. And then midway through the game, you spot out the sections that are pretty empty and the ushers are just kind of, you know, Why doing whatever. are you giving away all of our secrets? What are you doing? Oh, come on. There's not going to be enough people <laughs> that run down to the stadium and take over. So that's not gonna, what I'm just going to tell everybody here watching. That's how you do it. And it's, we're not going to, that, that plan's not going to get killed. We don't year. ever do that. What God, Jeff. Jesus, I need to be able to mute your mic. Oh the same usher, if you're like, for if you're wondering now, about that, know. if you're wondering about that bow tie bar view, I actually posted a picture on Twitter of that today. Um, if you just scroll back like two or three posts in my feed right now, Along you'll see there. my favorite spot in Great American Ballpark. It's I go to that spot and watch part of a game pretty much every single time I'm in the stadium. I love it down there. Uh, I really do. It's a great spot. We're less than sixty days away. I'm not Serious do- question: Why won't any of the Reds brass come on the show? Well, I'll, I'll listen. To be honest, we have not put extended an official invite to any big names within the Reds front office until now. We are inviting Nick Craw onto the show. Uh, not sure what's going to happen with that. Uh, we're going directly to him uh, in an attempt to have him come on. Uh, we are more than happy to talk to anybody from Castellini's on down. Uh, within the Reds front office about what's going on with this team. And I know that, you know, I have a couple running jokes and, you know, Jeff plays along with those things, but you know, we're definitely willing to sit down and do a serious interview with any of these guys uh, to get them on and, and give them the ability to talk directly to you folks. So, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. If we have to agree to questions ahead of time, if we have to, you know, spell the whole thing out, we'll do whatever it takes. So, uh, and I have communicated that to the Reds front office. So we'll see what happens guys. I mean, anything is possible. You know, I think Nick Craw has done a better job this off season with his media relations. Um, I think he's been working on that a little bit so maybe he will come do a podcast or two uh around red's country and maybe we'll be one of them so we are definitely trying to make that happen for you guys yeah it's definitely on us not not necessarily on any of them just because we haven't extended the invitation just yet we weren't really sure how they view us but i think that uh i think that they view us well i'm still maybe i'm sorry Going, 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 going. Sorry, guys. I will uh, say this while you're looking there. Um, I'll circle back on something. We talked about Dayton a little bit earlier, and I cannot stress enough how much fun it is to go to a Dragons game, but also there's this great little spot, and if you're inside Dayton, you're probably just like, yeah, you're telling me something that I already know. But if you live outside of Dayton and you go to a Dragons game, there's a spot a couple of blocks from the ballpark called the Century. And if you like yourself some <laughs> bourbon, there is oh, no yeah. better place in southwest ohio to go get you some bourbon because the century is awesome they have just about everything you can think of and they got great prices too so get you go to a dragons game that's a little bit of you know free advertising but i love the century i can't wait to get we even should we talk about our bar tabs from the last time you and i were there together (laughs) (laughs) we found the high-end stuff folks let me tell you 
Uh, we we wandered into <laughs> every one of those things. It was so good. Uh, Mr. Juan checks in and asks, how confident are we that Graham Ashcraft can match his rookie year? Uh, his low strikeout and high ground ball rate make me worry that the shift ban will hurt him. This is a pretty good question. Yeah, it's, it's not something we've really touched on a whole lot because we talk about the shift ban and how it's going to help hitters. But yeah, a guy like Graham Ashcraft, whose mantra is get in and out of the inning as quick as you possibly can by pitching the contact, making hitters get themselves out. It's going to be interesting to see how that does affect him because you're right. I mean, he's not a strikeout guy, and that's not been his MO as he's gone up through the minor leagues. Like he's, it's not like he got to the major leagues and all of a sudden stopped striking people out. His, the way that he pitches, and I love the way that he pitches because it's so different from Nick Lodola and Hunter Green, but I do wonder how, how that shift's going to play up because the BABIP's a big thing with him, and if he's got a lot of BABIP, it's, it's going to be tough. Listen, I will say this, um, and I'm not one to, to speculate on uh, if players can remain healthy or not. We just hope that they all do, but you know, I've had conversations with people close to the Reds organization that are a little concerned about Ashcraft's ability to remain healthy for an entire year. And that stems from, you know, if you recall, Graham Ashcraft really wasn't on a lot of people's radars. And then all of the sudden he was. And that coincided uh, from working with Kyle Bodie and basically becoming a max effort, max spin kind of guy. And that yep. pitching philosophy has shown to have tremendous success, but also puts a lot of wear and tear on the pitcher that's doing it. So right. um, my hope is that he is uh, engaged in a, a great off season uh, uh, workout program, got himself strong, got himself ready and that he can sustain that max effort for an entire major league baseball season. But we saw last year he ran out of gas and the reds, I think did him a disservice by bringing him back. And I know at the end of the year, there was really nobody else to pitch and that's why they did it. But I think they did a disservice by not just shutting him down when he was clearly done for the year and just letting him work on his offseason and, and get ready to go. So I, I think this is a great question. And I think there is some there is some uh, some concern to to what Graham Ashcraft can do over the course of an entire year and not run out of innings before we reach the end of the season. And I'd be curious too to see just how he develops this season if he is able to pitch at 85 percent 80 percent sometimes like especially when there's nobody on base i know that that was a big thing that um you know chris welsh and and um and jeff brantley have been talking on the broadcast is that this idea that you can go out every single pitch and just throw it and and go as hard as you possibly can and do that over a hundred times that's why you see so many pitchers only throwing four and a half, five innings when they start. And that's why you see some people saying, well, we need to amend the rule on pitcher wins and things like that, which that's a different discussion. But that's where that stems from is that there are so many pitchers now that have trained that way. And, and I think that it's going to be important to see how that uh, idea kind of circles back a little bit because everything's circular, right? I mean, you know, we see different things happen and then the converse happens and, and we kind of reset a little bit. How is pitching going to reset? Because the idea of just throwing everything you possibly have in your first inning pitches, your second inning pitches, your third inning pitches, your fourth inning pitches, whether it's guys on base, whether it's guys, whether the bases are loaded, it's just not feasible. That's not going to give you a long career. All right, Jeff, we're, we're coming to the finish line here. Let's try and 
work our way through a few more of these really quick. Uh, Poofy wants to know about your hat. Uh, where'd you get that fedora, Jeff? It's on a website called Cooley Bar. I'm going to see if it's, yeah. Cooley Bar. That's how you spell that's your, it. That's your golf hat, right? It's my golf hat. It's got like the whole UPF thing. Keeps the sun off me. All that good stuff. Plus, <laughs> BR7 like says too. that. BR7 says you should be in black and white because you look like you fell out of an Elvis movie. <laughs> don't you. you do Elvis impersonation. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't do it. Like half laughing through that. <laughs> do you play do you play MLB the show, Jeff? I do. That's a question I actually haven't got the new one just yet. But, or if, I don't think the new one's out, but once the new one get, comes out, I'll I'll be getting it. Chad uh, defending his position says he wasn't talking about the uh, players that we know are injured. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. I'll, I'll, all right. I'll go. I'll double down on this a little bit and just say that um, with the pitchers, like we were just talking about uh, a bunch of the injuries that occurred to I the mean. starting pitchers towards the end of the year were just innings management and them being tired. So yeah. Okay, um, they ran out of gas, so they're hurt. They had inflamed ERAs, and and they had to go on the dis, the injured list. So okay, I'll give you that, Chad. I mean, that okay, that does happen. I'm trying to think, there was a, I think it was more of a football thing, but oh no, I, I remember that now. You remember, and this and this is a Bengals reference. Sorry for anybody that's not a Bengals fan, but do you remember Randy Bullock? Coming up with that hamstring injury after he missed an extra point that ended up losing the Bengals the game. It was a couple of years ago against Oakland, I think. Anyway, yeah, that's that's where I'm thinking, like, yeah, you got a fucking injury there because um, you cost the team the game by not making an extra point. So There's a little conversation in here about MLB TV. I think there's going to be a lot of changes to MLB TV uh, once mm-hmm. all of this sorts out with the bankruptcies and such but you know uh, debbie brown mentions that you know she has an mlb subscription and she can watch all the games the blackout games just come on after uh that way you don't miss a game that's the way i do it also especially for day games you know uh we talked about the peacock game reds versus yankees that starts at like 11 30 in cincinnati listen folks that's 5 30 in the morning here i love the reds but i am not getting up at 5 30 to watch that game (laughs) i will watch it on mlb tv on delay uh, another one of the questions in here about MLB TV is if the price goes up when they end blackouts, probably. And I'll pay it if I don't have to like work to technology magic to watch all the West coast games, I'll pay a little bit extra to get MLB TV. If, if we get to the point and, and major league baseball and, and Rob Manfred knows this, but they have to do this because if we get to the point where you can get on MLB TV and you can literally go seamlessly between every game and you don't have to worry about blackouts and things like that, it's going to increase the popularity of the sport. I mean, there's it's a one plus one deal. That's not a, oh, hey, you're looking at this from a really interesting angle. It's like, no, this is straight on right there. You get rid of the blackouts. You grow the sport. End of story. All right, we're going to take one more, folks. We're we're at the hour 17 almost, Mark, here, hour 15 minutes. Appreciate you guys, you guys fantastic. We could, awesome. I, I tell you, Jeff, one day, one day I think we're going to do uh, just talk till we drop. 
I think one day, not today, but one day we're just going to start this thing and go until there are no more questions. I'm just kind of interested to see where we end up. We have to have like order DoorDash and have some food brought in or something. But uh, for today, we're going to take one more. And I think it's an interesting one. We're going to go to uh, Pat, who wants to know about Stuart Fairchild. Do we think that Stuart Fairchild is underrated right now? Um, we talked about him the other day, right? I don't think that he is. And I don't even think he's going to make this roster now with the outfield moves that they made. You know who Stuart Fairchild is? He's Jose Siri. You remember Jose Siri? Really vague, solid vague. in the minor yeah, leagues. But vaguely, yeah. Didn't really profile that much in the major leagues. He never really got that much of a shot as a red. And they ended up, he was, he was, they couldn't add him to the 40 man. I think he was a rule five draftee for the Astros. Went to the World Series with the Astros. Played a little bit for the Rays last year. Like he's bounced around a little bit there's a possibility that could happen with Stuart Fairchild. But I think at the end of the day, he's not going to make this roster, and it's not because he's underrated. I think the Reds understand that he's okay. He's all right. And I don't necessarily think that there's that much of an upside when it comes to what he could offer the Reds in the offseason. You know, it boils down to if they're going to carry six outfielders or not, and I don't think they will. And if yeah. somebody moves off of the infield to the outfield, but right now, you know, like we talked about uh, maybe yesterday, day before, uh, I think if you were to look at the outfield right now and what's most likely for opening day, they're going to carry five guys. It's going to be a platoon of Fraley and Pinder. It's going to be mm -hmm. a platoon of Friedel and Senzel. And then it's going to be Will Myers and right. I, I think yeah. that's probably the way the outfield shakes out right now. If, if we had to name the opening day outfield group, right now i think that's what i would go with now that could change if they get crazy and move india or if matt mcclain suddenly finds himself a center fielder or like there's there's some caveats there but i think that uh for me if i had to pick a group right now that's how i'd go with it yeah i think that the only you can make an argument between pender and solak but again we're, we're talking about you know six one half dozen the other here this isn't that big of a big of an argument and i don't think that there's that many guys that are separating themselves in this argument currently the opening day outfield is going to look nothing like the uh final game of the year outfield i agree and i think that probably that's a spot to wrap it up jeff go ahead and bring us home i like it and thanks everybody for joining us here on this live aloha friday edition of the podcast thank you so much for your questions and your comments. We are here every Friday at 1 30 PM Eastern time on the locked on reds, YouTube channel, but that's going to do it for us here today. Now make sure you go check out locked on MLB prospects as Lindsay Crosby has you covered on every farm system. He has gone through every single farm system in the major leagues throughout this off season, breaking down every team succinctly and talking about the key prospects to look out for in 2023 locked on MLB prospects is just like locked on reds. It's free and available on all platforms. And as we get closer to pitchers and catchers reporting, we will expand to five days a week. That's going to start the week of February 13th. So make sure you stick here with us. Make sure you're subscribed. You've got the bell click to be notified whenever we've got new content for you, because why Steve? Cause we are going to keep you locked on reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.